0: Let's all stand would you turn to the 100th psalm. The 100th psalm, very familiar passage that we read out loud on Sunday mornings quite often, as we do our scripture reading. Just these five verses in the 100th psalm. I really think this is appropriate for our occasion, as we look forward to tomorrow. Listen to what the psalmist writes. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, yes. his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Great psalm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we have listening ears as we look in your word. May, may we be people who are thankful. And when we stop and ponder and think of all that you do for us, can we be anything else? And we're thankful for this psalm and the reminders in it. And I pray you'd use it to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. I titled it because that's what we do. Reasons to be thankful. Now everyone in this room, if you've had children, you've experienced this. You have a toddler. He's given a roll of Smarties from one of the church grandmas, you know, or maybe a birthday present from some aunt, some gift. And as parent, you, you are serious. You're trying to train your child in, in, to always do the right thing and, and things they are supposed to do and say. And that includes those two words that you, you insist that they say upon the reception of the smarties or whatever. And you're always embarrassed to find they can't seem to say a word at that moment. And so you end up with, what do you say? What do you say? You say that over and over and you grow more embarrassed and exasperated each time you say what do you say oh why that is we have to pull a thank you from our child like a tooth because we want them to be thankful sure. and we want them to show and express thankfulness because we know as adults being thankful is so important and even the row of Smarties deserve a thank you. Alexander Hamilton, who was one of our forefathers, he proclaimed this. Listen closely, you'll want to follow this. No citizen of the United States shall refrain from Turkey on Thanksgiving Day. I like him. So, according to the National Turkey Federation, I looked this up. Guess how many turkeys will be consumed tomorrow? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 46 million turkeys. That's a lot of turkey. 88% of the people in the United States eat turkey on Thanksgiving. The rest, I don't know what them weirdos eat, but... And I do feel it's incumbent upon us as United States citizens to follow the wishes of our forefathers of this great country. And so, the words of Alexander Hamilton, I'm gonna eat turkey, and then a turkey sandwich, and then a weak turkey salad, and turkey surprise, all that goes with Thanksgiving. Lincoln, in 1863, I'm sure you've heard this, he proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Aren't you thankful we did have some men who were our country's leaders in the past who weren't afraid to give thanks to God? Now, as believers, most of this... We know. We don't ha- I don't have to say any of this, but we will anyway. We don't have an excuse to not be thankful. And the list of things for which we should give thanks is longer than we could, than one day of overeating and football watching. Isn't it? As believers, the list for things that, of which we should give thanks Is endless. The psalmist in this short five verses, I just think he's just reminding us. In case you've forgotten for what to be thankful, or in case you're having one of those Thanksgivings, if you don't know if you're thankful or not, he's going to help us be thankful. He's going to give us some good reasons why, as believers, We should be willing, ready always, and not just on Thanksgiving Day. Be people of thanks. In verse number one, notice he just opens it up by giving, I think, this this truth, this doctrine contained in verse number one when he says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Here's what, read between the lines just a little, and I think you come up with this. Everyone is invited to know him and praise him. All lands. And the message of the Bible, is it not from cover to cover? This, Jesus came to save the whole world. That's the message of Scripture. The gospel is not just for a chosen few. And if you're hearing or reading after someone whose teaching is that certain people are predestined to heaven and certain are predestined to hell, would, would you just do yourself a favor and get away from that teaching? Because it's not true. The gospel's from everyone. Every land, he says. Every race. Everyone. And I don't know if we need to spend any time reiterating the truth that Jesus died for all. And that whosoever will may call upon him But we need to maybe remind ourselves salvation is for everyone. It's for every race on every land, everywhere, every age, every tribe. Every soul is invited to salvation. And if you just needed one thing to be thankful for, just one on this Thanksgiving Day of this year after maybe some rough months How about starting here? All men can be saved. And whosoever, the the songwriter, whosoever surely meaneth me. We're getting ready to, or we just started in the book of Jude in our adult Sunday school classes. And in verse number three, Jude said this, I was going to write about the common salvation. And that phrase kind of stuck in my head. What does he mean, the common salvation? I think he's just saying, you know that salvation that Paul found on the road to Damascus? You know that salvation that the Ethiopian eunuch was introduced out there as he sat in his chariot? You know that salvation that the Philippian jailer found as he ran into the prison cell? The common salvation... That salvation that those men in the Bible we read about in those those great conversion experiences. Guess what? That's common. I can have it, too. And every believer in every age and every country has experienced that same salvation. We all can experience and have. It's common. It's available to all. And he says in verse number one, when you know him, joy is a result. Joy is a result. A joyful believer is a thankful believer. Let me ask you a question. Are you joyful? Because there are times when we lose joy or can. Sure. And probably the greatest example is David because he even said that he had lost his joy. He asked for God to help him receive his joy again and when you look at what was going on in David's life it was it not as a result of when he ran from God And from what God's perfect will is and was sin in his life. And when he repented, he was restored back and joy once again filled his heart and filled his life. And so is it possible if you have no joy and you're sitting here and you're looking around and everybody's thankful and you hear these testimonies and you want to be thankful, but only a a joyful believer will be a thankful believer. And so you have no joy. Is it that God did something to you or that you've done something? Is it because God mistreated you so (laughs) Do you have no joy? Or God sinned against you, and so you have no joy? Or is it possible, like David, maybe you strayed from God, and you've offended God, and you've sinned against God, and the weight of that has stolen your joy? I like verse 1. It's a... Available to everyone. Salvation. And when you have it, joy is a result. And look at verse number two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And so that's obvious. Gladness and singing are the results of knowing him and serving him. So think about that. Can a true believer. It's fun. I get to sit right here during the service. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not. If someone walks forward and I'm worried, (laughs) what am I going to do now? That's not fun. But most of the time I enjoy. But one perspective you get is watching people sing. Or not. I know some shouldn't sing. I understand that. But you can make a joyful noise, verse 1. But sometimes I've watched people and I wonder, uh, I hope they're all right. There's no nothing coming out, and the reason I know that because her mouth's not moving. There's no song, there's no joyful noise. How can a believer not be glad? Amen. Notice he in a verse he doesn't give any exceptions. He doesn't say, "Well, have a song in your heart unless things aren't going your way, then you, that would be all right." Be glad unless you're experiencing a trial, then. Or have a song unless you've lost your job or have some financial crisis. Then, of course, we wouldn't expect you to have a song. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say be glad unless your health is poor or someone you care about. There's having a health crisis. And then, of course, you wouldn't be glad. He Doesn't say that. He doesn't say have a song unless you're not sure what tomorrow holds in your world. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say be glad unless the world's in chaos. If that was the case, we wouldn't. None of us be glad. He doesn't say have a song unless your candidate loses. He doesn't say that. Did you know in days of old, we're talking about in ancient times, Old Testament times. No one would dare come into the presence of the king with a sad countenance. Right. To come into the presence of the king with a sad countenance would probably mean your death, your life. Because it would be the utmost symbol Of disrespect to enter the presence of the king, not acknowledging that you are glad and full of joy at being his subject. So when we come before our king, when we come into his presence, which is not just at church, it's all the time. Should we not let the world know that we're glad to be in service to our king? Should not everyone see that we're happy and we're satisfied with the care and the love that he gives? And when you think about it for just a minute, do you not, do you not in your heart, are you not treated as though I'm in the care of the great shepherd? Is there something that I really need that he hasn't given me? Does he not give me the grace and the strength that I need every day? Serve him, he says, with gladness and with a song in your heart. Paul follows that up in Ephesians 5. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks. Giving thanks. Gladness and singing are the result of knowing Him and serving Him. Look at verse 3. No. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. And not only that, it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. This third thing He made us, and He shepherds us. I can't find anything to be glad about this Thanksgiving. I can't find any reason for joy. There's nothing for me to be thankful. I'm just run out. I'm dry. I have nothing. All right. Think about this for a second. God made you. You're not, you're not an accident. You, your great grandfather didn't crawl out of some mud puddle. You aren't the result of some evolutionary process that took place over a years and now, all of a sudden, here you are. I want to be thankful that I'm a special creation of God. And not only that, he knew me. It says right there, he, he, we are his people. If you read in the Psalms, in another place, you'll see that how God even knows us before we're born. And all our fingers he's counted Later, he says he knows the very hairs on our head. Now, for some people, that's hard, but I got a lot of hairs on my head. God knows each and every one. There's nothing about me that he doesn't know. And if you ever study about shepherds in the Old and New Testament times and their relationship with sheep, it's something that's out of our culture and it's hard for us to grasp and understand. But the shepherd would intimately know his sheep by the sound of their bleat and he could just without even seeing them, he could touch them and know which ones they were. It's a world we don't understand, but over and over we're reminded. In fact, even in this verse, he says, he shepherds, he's her shepherd. He shepherds us. He's the good shepherd. He cares and loves for his sheep. The Bible says the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. The Bible talks about how the good shepherd seeks the lost one and doesn't give up until he finds them. Oh, there's other shepherds. There's other flocks. Satan has his sheep. Sickly. Undernourished. Without proper food or care or protection. But no believer is ever going to point a finger. At our good shepherd. And be able to complain about his care for us. He is. The good shepherd and we are the sheep of his. You want to pick a pasture, pick his pasture. We're the sheep of his pasture. Now look what verse number four says. Because now he's really getting into today or tomorrow. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise, be thankful. So twice, two times in verse number four, this word about thankfulness, it be thankful unto him and bless his name. So Thanksgiving. Number four, Thanksgiving is a believer's companion. Thanksgiving should be a believer's companion. Have you ever read in scripture and noticed just how serious God takes those who are unthankful? Listen to these two verses, 2 Timothy. Know this also. In the last days perilous times shall come. Now listen to this list. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, and boasters, and proud, and blasphemers, and disobedient to parents, unthankful. Unthankful. In Romans chapter number one, if you read in Romans chapter number one, I'm telling you, in Romans, if you're wondering where God lands on some of the issues of our culture, read Romans one. Notice this, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. I think God takes note when we're not thankful. Evidently, he doesn't appreciate it when we're not thankful. It's in a list of pretty heinous sins being unthankful. Now, you and I as believers have more to be thankful than we could possibly list. Yet, evidently, there are those who are not thankful. And think of this. If you are selfish, you won't be thankful. Because if you're selfish, you're you're always looking for what you have or don't have. And if you're disappointed, you won't be thankful. Because if you're disappointed, you'll be be disappointed in what you wish you have and you don't have. If you're unkind, you can't be thankful. Because if you're unkind, you'll look at others and they have more than you. If you're bitter at God, you won't be thankful because you have found that God is not Santa Claus and that's made you bitter and unthankful. If you're entitled, you won't be thankful because you think the world owes you something and God owes you something. And certainly the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit will not follow a person who's unthankful. An unthankful person won't show love because he's always thinking about himself. An unthankful person doesn't have joy because joy seems to always be out of his grasp. An unthankful person isn't at peace because his spirit is always in turmoil. An unthankful person won't be long-suffering because he himself is impatient. An unthankful person isn't gentle but rough and coarse. An unthankful person won't be good to others because his dreams aren't realized. An unthankful person lacks faith because God hasn't given them what they think they really need. An unthankful person is proud rather than meek. An unthankful person lacks self-control because he's always wanting more and more. God takes being unthankful seriously. And if you have an unthankful spirit. If for some reason you can't get thank you out like your toddler can't say thank you when he receives a gift. And for some reason, you can't seem to be thankful for, to God for what you have. In turn, what is going to happen is you're going to have all those things. You're going to be bitter, and you're going to be disappointed, and you're going to be unkind. And rather than the fruit of the Spirit being a part of your life for everyone to see, be just the opposite. And look at verse 5. He's going to give us in verse 5 three great reasons to be thankful. In verse five, for the Lord is good. If that's all we knew about God, we could go tomorrow at our table and be thankful. His goodness. Tomorrow like you, I'll be sitting around a table with friends and family As believers, is it not at that moment the goodness of God that we are celebrating? His goodness. Do you have to prove it to yourself? All right. Look at what you have. Tomorrow, look at what you have. Start with that table full of food. Oh, my word. I'm hungry thinking about it. There's going to be rolls, buttered, glazing the tops. Mashed potatoes. got a little cream cheese in them. That's the secret. There's going to be ham, turkey. There's going to be green beans that other people can eat. <laughs> Cranberry relish my wife makes, oh my word. And we're going to eat until we can't eat anymore and then we'll sit for a while. And then I'll make me a sandwich with Miracle Whip. Just stop there and look at that table. Did you know that most of the world has no idea of the food that you'll see tomorrow? But he's been so good. And if you look around your possessions and if you consider them meager or not, it doesn't really matter. Do you not have more than you really need materially? You do. I'm telling you. Look at what you have. You have peace. The Bible says that passes understanding. Peace that those who don't know him don't know. Peace that lets you lay your head on your pillow tonight and go to sleep. And the world around us could be spinning out of control. But you can have peace because you know Him. You have that. You have the Word. You have a Bible, and it's a lamp, and it's a light. And listen, you can open it anytime you want. And God can speak to you through it. And he can show you things. And he can help you learn which direction you need to go. And when you're not at peace, he'll give you peace. And when you're questioning, he'll give you answers. You've got it right in your hands. Look at what you have. Aren't you glad you have a church? And so many testified about church. And I know there's other churches in the world, but I'm kind of biased towards this one. Aren't you glad we have a church where our pastor loves us yes. and he feeds us yes. and every time he gets in this pulpit you don't have him to back your mind to wonder I wonder if he studied this week <laughs> and brother Sam our pastor before that and brother Harrison and I'm just telling you this church we've been blessed yeah. just look at what you have so much look at what you don't have You don't have to lose sleep wondering where you'll spend eternity. You don't have to hold on to empty cliches to make sense of the tragedies and the things around us. You don't have to do that. You don't have to sorrow without hope when our loved ones pass. You don't have to find happiness and peace and joy in a bottle. So many things you don't have. Can you put a measure on the goodness of God? Can you find the limits of his goodness? I'm here to tell you, you cannot. He says, the Lord is good. And then he said, his mercy is everlasting. Webster, I want to see mercy according to Webster's 1828. That benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart Which disposes a person to listen, overlook injuries, or treat an offender better than he deserves. That's mercy. Have you experienced mercy? (laughs) Have you ever seen the red lights in your rearview mirror? One of our city's finest. And they're just pulling you over to have a little chat. Now, I haven't personally, I mean, I've been pulled over. Not recently, but I always get what I deserve. I always seem to do that. But if you ever got pulled over and you knew you were speedy, And the officer comes to your window and he says, I know you're speeding, but I came to give you a cookie. (laughs) That's mercy. He treated you, the offender, better than you deserved. Think of this. Even before you were saved, you experienced his mercy. The fact that you're breathing his air right now proves that. And your testimony could be before I was saved, I was the worst. I was the worst sinner. Apostle Paul said he was the chief, but nope, it was me. That could be your testimony. It's just by the mercy of God that he allowed you to keep breathing his air until you heard the gospel. But think of this, since your salvation, it's still his mercy. Every day, every day, Not getting what we deserve, but being treated better than we deserve. We continually receive from God what we don't deserve. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve peace. We don't deserve his many blessings. We don't deserve his constant care. But everyone in this room could say, God is merciful to me. And then the last thing he says, those three reasons, his goodness, his mercy. And then he says his truth. His truth which endures. It, it, this truth lasts. This truth isn't wavy like today's truth. Things that we think are true or people say are true or are not true. In today's world, two plus two sometimes is five But this truth is steady and it's constant and it remains through all generations. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. And people today, and they have been for some time, searching always for truth. Maybe especially the truth about life itself. When did life begin? And what is the meaning of life? And what happens when life ends? People are always searching for those answers. But you know, for those who know him and those who know his word, all of those questions are answered. Jesus said in the beginning was the word. In other words, I'm the very Alpha, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the creator and sustainer of everything that we see. He is the beginning of life. And if you're searching for meaning, you'll never find meaning in life outside of him. In fact, you'll find with Solomon, without him, everything is emptiness. And if you're wondering what happens at the end of this life... The end of this life is the beginning of a greater eternal life that can only be found in him because he said, I am the truth. His goodness, his mercy, his truth. You remember the story that Luke recounts about Jesus healing 10 men? Remember that story? 10 leprous men. And of course, you know what that would mean what kind of life those men would have lived, a life of shame and poverty and being shunned by everyone outside of normal society. Been a terrible way to live. And Jesus had compassion in the story and he heals all 10 men. And they begin to leap and to jump and shout for joy and to skip and run home. And because they're healed, not just from this deadly disease, but they're healed from this life that no one would choose to live. I mean, everything for them has changed. And the Bible says one Samaritan man, one man who's outside of Judaism and the truth, one Samaritan man, he turns back and comes back to Jesus it says and the Bible says with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his feet giving him thanks Amen. And Jesus response was kind of sad He said this Where are the nine Where's the rest Ten were healed and they were happy and ran off, excited. Their lives changed forever. And only one? That teaches us maybe some important lessons about thankfulness. And I'm going to close. Number one, you and I are recipients of greater than those ten received that day. I'm telling you, leprosy in the Bible has those representations of sin and what sin can do to a person you understand that that analogy between leprosy and sin but I'm telling you you and I we receive so much more than healing of a physical disease but we also kind of see this evidently not very many people are thankful evidently not many people stop and just say thanks god Can you imagine that only one out of ten would turn around and be thankful to the one that changed their lives? Evidently, even amongst believers, even those whose lives have been changed. Thankfulness isn't always our companion. And that brings me this last thing. Jesus takes note of the thankful and the unthankful. Where are the nine, he said? Where's those others that were, received such blessing and goodness and mercy from me? Why haven't they stopped? They're off enjoying their life, their new life, their healing, and they didn't even turn around to give thanks, but this Samaritan did. May we never be guilty Of not being thankful. And I know we got a day. We call Thanksgiving. But for us. Come on. It's not every day. Thanksgiving Day. God we're so thankful. I'm glad we do have a special day. That Abraham Lincoln and others have said. It's a time to be specially thankful. And I'm glad that we do that. And we can be particularly thankful. As we think about things. But come on every day. Every day. We should be the 10%, the one that turns around and says, thank you, Jesus, your love, your mercy, your goodness, more than I deserved, things I didn't deserve, you've given me and you've shepherded me and you've watched over me and I'm going to come into your presence glad and singing and thankful. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father I hope we're people who are thankful we get caught up in just stuff life busyness and sometimes maybe we need to be reminded to pause and be thankful for all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do for us and what you saved us out of And how our lives are changed. And where we would be if it hadn't been for you. Let us be people who are thankful. And maybe you've spoken to some hearts. And maybe folks just want to take a minute. Right there where they're sitting. And just be thankful. And just respond to you by being thankful. We don't have to wait till Thanksgiving Day. And so have you spoken to us. Maybe right now in the quietness of this moment, we'll just stop and be thankful. Thankful for your word and how it speaks to our heart. In Jesus'